Yo, this is Creature K. I'm gonna be dissecting the Yasin Bay, aka Most Def Exposing the Machine video you can find on YouTube. If it kinda takes place in a hotel room, it's kind of an interview between Most Def and and some I don't know, YouTuber it could be. <laughs> uh some sort of filmmaker. Um it's an interesting video. Um, I just kinda watched it probably like eight minutes into the video. And I think I came across this video years ago, actually. Um, it says the video was uploaded in 2016. Um, so, let's take a look. The personality show. And I say, if we can control these personalities, if we can pick the personalities that people will respond to, or we can cultivate these personalities, that we can stay in control of the machine. Mm. So yeah, these personalities are totally the foundation to these pop stars, these, you know, uh, Fortune 500 uh, type of personas and characters that, you know, hit the big screen. You know, they get radio play, they make it to mainstream success. It went from them being able to successfully do that to somewhere along that line artists or talented people and the machinery saying we don't even have to cultivate personalities anymore mm. we can cultivate personas so so personas you know cultivating a persona that, that's kind of like um the style, you know, the not necessarily a full-on behavioral pattern, personality, um, persona would be, you know, something that is easily obtainable. It's kind of like an attitude, you know, the, the, uh, the rebel culture, the, um, the opposition to, you know, your parents and stuff like that. That's something that definitely was cultivated in, uh, hip-hop music and, just a street culture, you know. Went from culture to the cult of personality to the cult of persona. Mm. To get people to believe that so-and-so is this. To get spokespeople or representatives for a lifestyle or an idea that they may not even subscribe to themselves. They can sell it, though. They can make it appealing to a, to a mass of people. And it's there are great rewards for agreeing to do that. So, you know, there's tons of young people that flock to Hollywood and to these uh, empires, uh, skyscraper-type cities, where they can find work and get their foot in the door. And, you know, they can totally develop these characters overnight um, by attaching them to products and attaching these uh, idols, these iconic figures to the revolution. They could attach them to the violent street culture um, that's kind of like an instruction manual for the youth and, you know, different generations, you know. Um, you know, they could cross-generate and really get the attention of the masses, you know, be by being on the stage or, you know, by having their name in the lights, you know.
you know, it's 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 gone from being this is my art that reflects this is my work that reflects my history, my personal life, my struggles, my ambitions, my dreams, to this is my persona. Mm. Yeah, you know, like your narrative, your individual storyline, you know, the way you grew up and stuff like that, it can just be thrown out and replaced with a artificial persona and kind of like a direction. You know, it's, you know, the old days of, you know, writing music and, you know, and there's some that still do, you know, there's some people that, you know, these ambitious, charismatic young men and women um, around the world, they get into songwriting early on, you know, there's some songwriters, poets, um, different people that, you know, have a love for writing, you know, they could be, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and develop um, you know, their writing style, find themselves and whatnot. And in this day and age, it's advised, you know, uh, to run with something more modernized and something that people will gravitate toward. So the persona and the characterization of picking out a popular archetype and whatnot, that's something that has been going on for a long time as it is attached to a product or a lifestyle or something that you can buy. Two intertwined, many of them. And there are lots of, they reward you for it. Okay. If you just say, it has nothing to do with me, I'm just a model. It's like I Crips. Put, I it's put like on the know. clothes, I stand in the pose, huh. they pay me a sec. Yeah, you know, they attach these characters to these products, these alcoholic um culture, you know, the, the drug culture, the designer drugs, uh, you know, there's a, just a campaign that, uh, that's in common, you know, it's, it's a common thing for an artist to represent a particular gang, a particular town, a particular area of the United States, for example, uh, so it's territory based, um, and they sell that, you know, they sell that idea, um, you know, to get, you know, I mean, it's really heavily to indoctrinate and, you know, catch the attention of the younger generations that don't know no better. You know, they, you know, they went from uh, the records to the tape, cassette tapes to this, the CD culture. Now it's full on digital. Um, and when it made the transition, you know, there's a lot of people that got into uh, creating mixtapes and, you know, circulating their music through the internet, through, you know, social media, websites like MySpace, and, uh, you know, just went from there, and, you know, the flashy imagery, the selfies, you know, that became a big part of it. So what effect does that have on the community? Oh my God, it's, it's, if there's no voice of dissent, if there's no imagination, not even, let's just leave the scent alone. If there's no earnestness, if there's no truth mm. in what artists, the talented people do, if it's all about 
the gesture. Then it then it's telling people there's no room for your imagination. Yeah, if it's all just a gesture and an act, you know, it's a recording artist is the um, classification, you know, uh, the career path and whatnot for these vocal singers. A recording artist, uh, you know, I met tons of people that can sing, like, you know, incredibly in person, and they developed an individual uh, style of singing or rapping or saying some sort of vocal, you know, they're doing some sort of vocal work live on stage. Um, and then when you get them into the recording studio, it's a whole nother direction of things as far as producing, arranging music, having them sing on time and stuff like that. Uh, if they're really skilled, you know, they're able to catch on and, you know, uh, figure it out, the recording aspect of it. But the recording artist, you know, the, uh, nowadays it's becoming a a major thing for a lot of these singers and uh, rappers and entertainers to not really be associated with writing um, and when they publish their music um, there's tons of people that are contributed to the writing of the song the music the writing of the lyrics you got such trendy keywords and terms like ghostwriter or um, the reference track you know they're, they're songs that uh, personify earlier works and you know uh, that's kind of a trend you know to tap into the market and you know uh, tap into a memory and sample an old song or figure out a way to you know find a better delivery and kind of stand out from the rest so if there's no imagination and there's no endeavor to be unique, you know, I mean, everyone has their, I mean, a lot of the top tier artists, they all have their own speciality and their own uh, sophisticated specifics to the, to each artist, and they're known for the direction of music or, you know, their um, way that they stay on top and, you know, they continue to put out records and whatnot. And, you know, you start to see the trends, and if you pay attention, um, you know, the the average Joe, you know, the local artist, they'll adopt a lot of these techniques and stuff like that to gain a immediate attention, reaction kind of thing. So... There's no use being imaginative. Follow the rules. What about the individual in terms of the collective? It's not about that. It's about conforming. And if you see someone who is a creative person doing that, then what energy might you have to criticize your local government yeah. or your state government? Or, or to just have any sort of opinion about what's going on around you in the world to say, to use your common sense to say, well, that may be a prevailing practice, but that doesn't mean that it's useful yeah. or, or necessary. So now uh, Mos Def is going into the idea that it's kind of a one-track um, mind, you know, a, a one-trick pony uh, type of, like, categorization with these 
entertainers and singers. They're known for a particular type. You know, there's some uh, actors, actresses that, uh, you know, they only appear in horror movies or, you know, Jim Carrey, uh, you know, he only plays in comedies. Uh, you know, his, his career was built off of the comedy circuit. Um, and eventually he, you know, started to get into some serious, you know, some more serious roles. And, you know, I've spoken to a couple of people that they really didn't buy, you know, his crime thriller. Or, you know, he came out with a movie called 23, which is speaking on, you know, the uh, the numbers you can see in everyday life, you know, um, that are symbolic and you know, uh, synchronistic, you know, and you could see the number 23 or how people see a, a, in 1111 everywhere and stuff like that. So going in the direction and, you know, you're known for a particular style in the mainstream uh, entertainment culture, um, it's very, you know, you only have a couple insulated cases where uh, the, you know, a star would deviate from their path and, and, play kind of like a Janus role, which is a, a mythological character, uh, to have a double persona. Um, you know, and then you got a couple um, singers, uh, writers, you know, and stuff like that, that they, you know, they'll be making uplifting music one day. You know, someone like Tupac that's making uplifting music about that, you know, the conscious awareness of the community and police brutality, but then, like, within the same instance would release a song talking about the glorifying of the street the street culture and the promiscuity uh, and you know the using and abusing of the the women around them you know, but then turn around and speak about uh, a revolutionary idea you know um, having to do with you know uh, rising up against the oppression but then turn around and talk about he's gonna kill his 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 own people you know to survive in the streets and uh you know just that whole double role that double figure you know be very wary you know when you see some of these entertainers that have that dual nature and they they play off the opposites and you never really know if they're the hero or the villain in a lot of cases and that's the shocking thing you know um just take a look at that batman movie with keith ledger uh, playing the Joker, and look at all the way that they describe, you know, who the Joker is, and, um, you know, and take a look at why he's who he is, and why he's being deemed a villain and whatnot, and why Batman is even, you know, on his radar and stuff like that. If you see people as supposed to be imaginative people, creative people, not being that, mm -hmm. I think that the long-term effect is that the masses in general just find themselves being less creative, less imaginative, and creativity and imagination are integral in creating change. Right, yeah, the imagination can lead you toward, you know, speaking on social issues, and the imagination can give way to a outside of the box thinking and whatnot and in our day and age if you're creative in a lot of ways but you're n negating that with it you know that's within uh and you just you know just want to go along to get along and carry the the torch of the next person um 
it's far far more easier nowadays I mean back in the day totally um, you know there's some artists that stole you know songs and melodies and would revamp them and whatnot and it's creative that they took that approach but not unique um, because several years later or several years before uh, someone else revamped those same chord structures and those same melodies and stuff like that which kept you know a lot of these genres alive that's kind of like the genres are religions that stuck around and people keep them alive by sticking to those those styles and you know continuing to pursue that and never really deviating and never taking an experimental route or you know never really publishing anything you know with these you know these artists that are under these labels you know they have to release so much projects a year and stuff like that so it's all contract based in the world i mean you know you 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 need that spot yeah if well, you see, he could do that then i could do I mean, as you got to the stage, we actually... Yeah, I mean, is it, is it, is it organized? The, the, the corporations have successfully bribed many charismatic, charismatic personalities and figures with money and flattery. And a lot of times, it's not even with money, but they're really bribing them with is a perception of social access. Mm. So the flattery of, you know, pretty much being offered uh, access to social, the social ask, access, um, something that's crucial. And a lot of times it's not even with money, but they're really bribing them with is a perception of social access. Mm. Yeah, their perception that they can develop and have, you know, on the shelf um, and be accessible in a social kind of way, uh, you know, in society, something to um, uh, present to the world, um, something that is easily obtainable, um, you know, the iconic status to be able to be like the Nexus, you know, like Michael Jackson or Madonna or, or Prince or something. Um, that is a, a, it's, 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 it's a profound idea that you can have a perception and that you can be recognized by millions around the world. And to have that kind of offer is kind of a one in a million chance to to some degree. But let's take a look at where he goes with this. You are invited into an exclusive club. Yeah, you know, the Billionaire Boys Club and the Fortune 500 companies and the Wall Street, uh, you know, type of playing field you know the invent you know the members only jackets you know when you get invited like that um 
it's something of a, an, an initiation or a uh, you know a uh, a rare occasion to be offered something like that you get to sit in the velveteen chair and for some people there's a very intoxicating of course proposal because i'm especially if you come from an ignored or marginalized part of the world and now somebody's treating you like this rare and precious thing. Now, the, 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 the fine print of that is like, it's better to be, and this is a quote from an article about Josephine Baker that I read, it is better to be treated like a rare and precious thing as opposed to a horrible, ugly one, but it's still to be treated like a thing. There's no real human temperature in that. It's, oh, you're so exotic, but you're, you're a caricature. You're a beautiful caricature, but you're not a human. You're Yeah, you're not a, a human being. And it's just that kind of... Hip-hop will find its center again. At the moment, a lot of it's biggest names and most charismatic personalities are dizzy and disoriented off of success and what they uh, what they perceive to be mainstream approval and acceptance <laughs> yeah like if they're getting you know the multi um you know, the, the triple platinum albums and, you know, their certified gold and stuff like that. And their records soar and their numbers get them on the pop charts or whatnot. Um, that, that can be totally intoxicating and, you know, you can be dizzy and, you know, um, pretty much uh, under the spell of success. And, um, you know, you feel as if you've, you know, been accepted by the mainstream counterparts. But in a lot of ways... You're kind of just the scapegoat and the poster child for that culture. Which, the irony is that the culture came into prominence without any of that. Yeah. Almost. Came anti that. Rejecting that. Like, we don't care what you think, what it doesn't it matter. To push it again to the side, you know, where the lead is going to come from. Well, there are, a lot, there are lots of leaders. There are lots of artists who are doing those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But when they, when they submit themselves to certain forms of machinery, mm -hmm. as television or radio, then it's a perfect opportunity for you to be suppressed. And what happens... So, yeah, um, yeah, you could be on top of the world and have the the message of um, you know the degenerate you know you can have a rebel type of message and you know you try to step out of line you'll be suppressed um, maybe fatally maybe physically but definitely um, verbally you know your words will be manipulated um, and uh, you know if they don't fall in line with the status quo which 
a lot of artists know, you know, like Nicki Minaj, for an example, you know, she has to keep up that iconic status, you know, she's taking the torch from female artists like Lil' Kim, which has always been known to, you know, kind of have um, the imagery and the content, um, you know, of the prostitute, you know, the the girl that, you know, really worked her way up to the top. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, there's there's different repackagings of these of these idols, you know, um, to ensure, I would say, to ensure the fulfillment of that the culture that comes with these characters. What happened, I think, is that we started to accept mainstream notions of success. Mm. Being on a top Billboard artist was not even in anyone's field of vision. It was just about being able to make music that was relevant to to your center. Mm. Then your center started being relevant to the the center, the mainstream center. Mm. And as a result, people started modifying themselves and you know changing appearances to appeal to the old centered sensibility. Yeah. And uh, now, if you weren't on the top 10 and billboard, and this was this came from inside the culture, we adopted this. Yeah. If you weren't that type of artist, you weren't relevant. If you couldn't have that sort of mainstream appeal, you, you didn't matter. And it almost it had to be that you were lobbying or campaigning for the widest audience possible which is harmful because it turns it into like a tournament type of atmosphere mm. where you're competing against not only your own contemporaries but other genres and you it, it, it got to it's, it's got to be split a, up, like a very gladiator type of atmosphere you know uh, what happens to the message in that? You know, I mean, this is the whole thing. If it's getting split up that much, to maintain a pretty solid message must be near impossible. Well, you know, if people, it's really simple. You know, the radio stations won't play certain records, and they only play roughly thirty-five to forty records in any given rotation, anyway. Can I have one? Yes. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is the first time I've smoked a camera. I apologize to my nan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm trying to um, So they only play a, a certain amount of records, and they um, they say they don't play certain records because, well, that's not what people want to hear. Yeah. It says who? It says the program director, who usually works for some large broadcast corporation. If you take that with part of, if you've got media owned by like four companies. How, you know, all of the media in this country, if it's owned by like, you know, maybe four major companies, and how, how do you get the message out there if there's... You just have to do it. And you have to just go directly to the people. I mean, you can't depend on MTV or Hot 97. I mean, I've attempted to. Mm. I've attempted to do that. 
And I've had really good records. I mean, I got, I've been nominated for Grammys and for Gold Records. And, and I've had program directors even tell me, most, I like you. I love your music, but I can't. It doesn't fit into our format. Yeah, you know, the outsider musician is um, someone that will be um, kind of like a mandatory uh, shunned and banned from the official story, you know. Um, and a lot of artists and creative types, they'll fly under the radar and speak on social issues and stuff. But yeah, like I was speaking about the dual, the dual type roles and the dual natures, the personas like Beyonce with the Sasha Fierce or... Eminem, you know, he has the uh, persona or uh, Rihanna or whoever that they kind of, they're able to speak on a couple different levels and. The format is predetermined. Yeah. And it's pretty predictable. Everybody says, everybody makes it like it's not that premeditated. You're being conspiracy theorist. And it's like, if it's not that premeditated, why is it so predictable? Yeah. Yeah, like the genres that they see fit, you know, the religions they see fit, you know, that people worship and they pay to go to these concerts and, you know, they buy tickets and they sell out shows uh, for these big artists, these big stars. Um, yeah, it seems like a controlled narrative, a controlled idea. But let's take a look. If it's, if it's not premeditated, how come it's so reliably uniform? So homogenized. It's sex, violence, uh, love songs, glamour, dance. That's it. Yeah, like it's all geared toward a physicality, you know, the five cents. Um, direction, you know, yeah, the love song, you got the street songs, the violence, the uh, calls for justice of the brutality in the poverty-stricken areas. Um, then you have the dance songs, you know, the, the, the songs that, you know, that can get you moving, uh, the club songs. Um, I mean, you even have the trap music that, in a lot of ways, is being credited to different parts of the, the United States. Um, but specifically something that's really sticking out like the elephant in the room is that, uh, some of these ATL Atlanta trap artists, they would play their music at a strip club specifically for girls, you know, to see if the songs, you know, were popping and they actually, um, would test out certain songs in, in the strip clubs. So, you know, talk about dance music and the direction <laughs> that they take it. It. Stuff. There's no, there's no real information on these stations. So as a result, there's no real information in the music, and that's not what they're about. That's not what their programming mandate is about. Their programming mandate is about surface pop culture, and that's really problematic for us as a community because the only culture that we have in this country is the ones that we create. Mm -hmm. Now the people who create culture have been bribed and yeah. co-opted sometimes consciously and even worse, unconsciously mm -hmm. by these huge corporations to say the only way that we'll take your message mm -hmm. 
to the mass is if you represent what we are comfortable with. Which technically could be demeaning. It could be something that is uh, disrespectful, um, something that's disloyal, um, something that's not um, uplifting <laughs> at times. The uh, the commercial um, acceptance, I guess you could say, um, can be something that is shrouded in the negative. And it's very, very rare that there was a positive message and whatnot. Uh, you think about Bill Hicks and how he said on his comedy special, Relentless, how, you know, if you're against drugs and uh, throw away all your records, you know, that were produced in the 1950s, t you know, till the modern day, um, that everyone in the 70s, the 80s, um, they really got a big taste of the drug culture. And how um, a lot of these stars would perform high and intoxicated like crazy. And it was just something that, you know, they didn't necessarily have a, a voice um, outside of the perception that they were creating, the culture that they were embedded in. And yeah, you had these iconic stars, you know, die from suicide overdoses, um, you know, just become iconic in their deaths and they you know they leave the world with that idea you know the 27 club and stuff like that where it becomes something of uh you know of of a legendary status you know you think of that movie the sandlot how they say the legends never die you know like babe ruth and stars like that in in culture technically that you know they they always seem to have their place in, in the heroics, uh, a protagonist kind of way. Seeing your community or seeing your demographic, which is a really kind of sterile terminology for people and a community. Yeah, the demographic, like that's that's a powerful word, you know. Uh, what is your demographic? And, you know, when you create music, yeah, like, I heard of this idea, um, you know, when you rap, you know, um, think about, you know, the audience and like I heard somebody say something like, well, when I write music, I th I write like I'm I'm trying to speak to a young teenager that's trying to get out of the hood and, you know, um, tr you know, trying to trying to better their life, um, you know, so I would speak to them or whatnot through their songwriting. I've heard of a couple different techniques. Um, but yeah. It's like, we're your demographic. We're comfortable with you representing this to them. We like it when we're comfortable with that imagery. Mm. And anything outside of that, we don't, we're so, hesitant on. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, you know, they have like that apprehension, like they, they're hesitant toward inviting or, or even encouraging um, any of the innovative, experimental kind of forms of music which could be in a form of chaos, you know. Seems like the uniformness of country music or the uh, stylistic impressions that R&B has, uh, a lot of it is structured and standardized. Um, you know, the Beatles, they were rumored to not um, have their guitars tuned and that they were 
tuned to a lot of different scales and stuff like that, and that they weren't, um, their instruments weren't even tuned, you know, and stuff like that. So nowadays, yeah, like there's chord structures and music that is kind of like a cliche, uh, like in the EDM electronic music scene, everyone is doing the ghost producing thing, you know, it's pr pretty similar to ghost writing, where they basically are taking skeletons of previous songs and stuff like that and just kind of revamping them and improving them but more just having their twist added onto them and yeah you have these you know these uh these festival djs that um sell out shows like if they're huge artists and they build on an event type of level where they build their brand and stuff like that do you already have to have media i mean the problem is is that you know when you've got someone like mumia who's you know, now it is, you know, you kind of have to be looking for him to find him. You kind of have to be, you know, I mean, he's there, he's accessible on the web, you know, his, his commentaries are there every week. But, you, you know, if you're not looking for him, he's very hard to find. So does that make it a problem in terms of, do you already have to have media exposure to be able to make that message? Or do you just got to keep plugging away? Well, I mean... Yeah, having access to the uh, media giant uh, or, you know, the mainstream... Um, I guess you could say the uh, circuitry or the uh, the um, a machine like Mos Def is pointing out. You know, if you have access to that, um, yeah, you can definitely broadcast a message. Um, if you can get on TV, you know, you can definitely, um, you know, you could say whatever you want. You know, you might be um, arrested or whatnot. You know, I mean, you can get. Offered to go to on a show, let's say like a cooking show or um, a segment of the news, and uh, yeah, you know it's all structuredized. You have to, you know, you're you're speaking about this direction or this success story or whatever, and you know they'll edit out whatever you know. But live TV, that's a whole nother concept, you know. It, or, or I mean, even social media, it's kind of a live broadcasting of ideas. And people like Trump, you know, they they tweet out all these things you know people like Kanye you know he can have a message and you know people can circulate it and you know push it amongst one another and it could reach you know thousands and thousands millions you know in a couple of minutes and these are these are those are type of scientific types of questions um do I think that I think there's certain it's, it's, messages... Because it's, it's just, a, you know, I found Mumia through, you know, I mean, from my mom. You know, she's, right. she's political, you know, so, you know, I've sort of been raised in that. But if I, if I hadn't been, I don't know if I ever would have known about it. Do you know what I mean? I think that there's a bit of advice that a, a writing professor that, and a great novelist, Victor Laval, gave me. I asked him what he tells his students, and he told, he told me that he tells his students to write as if they're the only ones that would understand. Right. I like that. <laughs> um, and in doing that... So he just mentioned about this uh, writer that spoke on this uh, idea to write, uh, for the writer to write something only they can understand. You know, tapping into that uniqueness, that individualness to where you're the audience, you know. Um, nowadays, it's kind of a common thing to create with an idea that your music will be uploaded to the internet and you'll try to circulate your music amongst your friends and family and eventually uh, try to make it on a viral status. Um, sounds like, you know, 
uh, a viral disease, you know, uh, um, but a viral uh, video, let's just say, that's like striking gold to some degree, you know, you get attention, your song or your video can get, you know, a thousand, 40,000 views, a hundred thousand or something, and you could, uh, that could be your platform, you know? I think that applies to people like Mamiya or people who have a real message who may not, who for whatever reason have been stymied by the mass media or rejected or persecuted, is that somehow in a way that we may not even be able to measure, there's not this this far less empirical than we could imagine. Yeah. The message just gets out just on the virtue of what it has to say. True, yeah, very true. And some people might view that as idealistic, but I sincerely believe that, and there's so many examples mm. of that. Uh, I find that actually people who are less concerned with that end up getting it. You know, you get guys like Dylan or Bob Marley. Those weren't the... That wasn't the aim. The aim was to make their most honest work. Yeah. And because they did it, it just gets airborne. And it's there's, there's something else. That's the thing about information is that it's really... The truth is a form of magic. Mm -hmm. And it just it finds its way to people. The truth is a form of magic. Yeah, totally. You know, the the, the, the fact-based uh, reality, you know, the unbiased portrayal of um, something that is, you know, truthful and is actual, you know, that, that has a magic essence to it. But also the fake, um, you know, manufactured... Uh, hyper-reality, you know, the mind control culture and stuff like that, that is also um, very powerful uh, magic. Um, you know, people like Thomas Sheridan would speak on how it's a, you know, he, he um, coined the term trash magic, you know, that a lot of the culture um, in pop music with these idols and these singers and whatnot, they, uh, yeah, they have a lot of trash associated with their music and it, it, you know, people, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure. And, uh, you know, you get that phrase and that, you know, kind of like saying that people pass around a lot, you know. Um, you know, to some people, they might be like, oh, I don't like that singer. She's, you know, you know horrible. She speaks about sleeping with men and or, you know, oh, I don't like that rapper. He you know, he talks about shooting, you know, his own kind, you know, his his own people, you know, and robbing his own people and stuff like that. And, um, but to someone else, that could be the music, the soundtrack to their lives, you know? It could be something that's beneficial, something that is like their anthem to get them pumped up or, you know, to, you know, flourish in the persona, you know? Without a machine, without approval from the gatekeeper, how did that happen? It just did. Yeah. It just did.
yeah, approval from the gatekeepers, you know, the ones that, you know, I mean, he could be in on, on algorithm level with the computers. Um, you know, now we have the demonetizing of, of the videos, you know, demon, you know, <laughs> um, demonetize opposed to monetize where you can actually get paid, you know, pennies when you get your video streaming and you get tons of views, you know, on your content on YouTube or Spotify or something like that. Um, you can be blacklisted to some degree. It doesn't happen to all conscious rappers or anything like that. A lot of conscious rappers, they have the dual nature and they can, you know, choose their records and, you know, they can publish with the royalties in mind and, or they can get a feature with a mainstream artist and cross platform and cross genre, uh, like how Aerosmith did with Run DMC, uh, that, uh, that one song, uh, I think it was called like Rock This Way or something like that. And it was like cross genreing and, you know, tapping into the MTV culture of the 90s and or the late 80s, you know, and, and trying to develop um, intriguing experiments like that, you know, to see what would be conjured. And so at the end of the day, you know, the the gatekeepers, you know, they rely and they seek stars that are out to kind of be all about themselves and, you know, uh, kind of glamorize the, the fancy cars and the money and, you know, really, you know, it's a, it's like a scent of elite, you know, it's like a, uh, some sort of elitism or some sort of like weird, intense, normal, trend you know that that people go through you know everyone wants to speak a message and affirmation of of winning you know they don't want to speak on the atrocities of how many of us actually lose so thanks for listening I, you know just finished the video and uh tell me what you guys think peace